All right, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? All right, it's a joy to be with you as always. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 122. This week we are going to continue our focus on worship. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Warm up your writing utensils because this is going to be a ride. We're going to start with a brief background on the significance of Jerusalem. Then, we're going to be looking through the lens of this psalm to multiple places in Scripture in order to highlight three major themes here in 122. Here they are. The place of worship, God with me. The position of worship, God tells me. And then the purpose of worship, God before me. Read with me now God's word in Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let me go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord of God, our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Father God, as we once again come to open your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us knowledge and understanding, to give us wisdom, Lord. Help us to see you clearly as we read this place in your word, that it may be a sunshine upon our hearts to know you more and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. O Jerusalem, says the psalm, when we look at biblically significant happenings in history, there is no single place that has been more important as an established location in all of the world. Named nearly 600 times in the Old Testament alone, this was the city of the prophets. It was the kings of David's line, the place of the death, resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, and the location of the Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended to dwell within the faithful. Known by many names throughout Scripture, Jerusalem's identifiers include this, um, excuse me, the name of Zion, the city of David, and most notably, the city of God. 1 Kings 14.21 says it in this way, the city that the Lord has, had chosen out of all of the tribes of Israel. To put his name there. 
There is so much that is of significance of this relatively small city. Imagine a space during the time of Jesus only about one-fifth the size of Madison. But today, I want us to hold fast to Jerusalem as the worship center of the people of God. Specifically, as the location of the tabernacle commanded by God in Exodus 25, 8 and 9, where it says this, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. This this tent of meeting was meant to house the Ark of the Covenant, where God, speaking to Moses in verse 22 of that same chapter, says, There I will meet you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in the commandments for the people of Israel. What an amazing truth, church. Holy God, the maker of heaven and earth, desires to meet with you. Be close to you, present with you, to speak with you. It is from this place, this promise of meeting with the Lord, that the excitement we see in Psalm 122 is born. And we start with our very first theme. The place of worship. God with me. Look back at Psalm 122. Verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Three times a year, pilgrimages were made to Jerusalem. These were to celebrate and to remember the goodness of God to his people through the feasts of unleavened bread. The feast of of weeks or Pentecost that was to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest, of the wheat harvest, and the the Feast of Booths to remember Israel's wilderness experience as they were commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Important, though, to note is that not all of these feasts were meant to be a time of rejoicing. When looking at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the bread was also called the bread of affliction. It was meant to be eaten for seven days, and on the seventh day, the people gathered for a a solemn assembly. Now, tuck that away for now. We're going to revisit that a little bit later. In the meantime, I want to stick with a very clear message that we find in the commandments for these festivals in Deuteronomy. This message is found multiple times in this specific passage. At the place that the Lord your God will choose. Very, very quickly, we're going to run through this, just a one-sentence one run-through of the promised place fulfilled in Scripture. Are you ready? Here it goes. Once the tabernacle, then the temple, now you and me. For the sake of time, the temple 
is this amazing semi-permanent upgrade to the tabernacle. Confirmed by God through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and then built by Solomon, spoken about in 1 Kings 5 and 6. I, I say semi-permanent because the temple was destroyed twice along with the city. It was even under construction the second time while Jesus was there for the Passover feast just before his crucifixion. Now, why all the background? Why the history lesson? Well, turn with your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 15. We journey through thousands of years of feasts, festivals, pilgrimages, blessings and judgments, births and deaths from the Exodus to Jesus. The Holy Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, hanging on the cross of our salvation. We read this in Mark 15. Verse 38 and 37. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The temple curtain, set as commanded by God in Exodus 26, kept a separation between the presence of holy God and sinful man. Jesus' death on the cross, the forgiveness of sin, made the way for us to enter into the presence of Almighty God. Jesus, the perfect Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5-7. The first fruit of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15-20. Provision of spiritual water, who is the rock, 1 Corinthians 10-4 embodied the total fulfillment of the commanded feasts. Connection point here, loved ones. By faith in Christ Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are no longer required to go to a certain place of worship to be near the presence of God. By the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we are are a place of worship. Now, don't get ahead of me and try to say, oh, I heard it. Sean said I don't have to go to church. There are plenty of warnings in Scripture about not gathering together. But instead of the warnings, let's focus on the positive. Meeting together to encourage one another and stir each other to love and good works, as it says in Hebrews. So bring your heart of worship with you wherever you go. Every moment, every place that you stand can be a place of worship. Now let's move on to number two, theme number two, the position, the position of worship. God tells me. My beautiful wife asked me a question this past week as we were talking about the sermon. She said to me, babe, I love it when she calls me babe. She said, babe, 
what is the difference between place and position? I'm so thankful for her. She encourages me to think. So I said this. Place, a location to be, and position, an attitude of the heart. To, to break down this idea of a position of worship, can, can I give you one word? Obedience. Look back at Psalm 122 with me, the second half of verse 4. As was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the Lord. Worship is commanded in Scripture. Psalm 29.2, Psalm 95.6, Luke 4 and 8, John 4.23 and 24, but also praise of God is commanded in Scripture. Daniel 2.20, Psalm 8.1, Psalm 148.13, Hebrews 13.5. Hey, hey, wait a second now. I thought worship and praise were the same thing. Let me explain the difference in this way. Praise is the joyful recounting of all God has done for us, while worship is the art of losing self in the adoration of God. Now, I'm going I'm to say that again. Praise is the joyful recounting of all God has done for us, while worship is the art of losing self in the adoration of God. Remember that truth we, that we had earlier, that, that solemn assembly? I would be so bold as to say this. You cannot praise without a heart of worship. But you certainly can worship without a heart of praise. As I, as I kind of see the wheels turning out there a little bit, let me ve- be very clear on something with you, okay? Worship is not a feelings thing. Don't don't let the enemy derail you like that. As you hear the quiet, whispered lie, I would be a hypocrite to worship when I don't feel like it. Loved ones, do not let Satan stroke the comfort of your ego. Worship is about who God is and His deserving of adoration. Not about you and your, I I don't feel like it. Eugene Peterson puts it this way in his book, along obedience in the same direction. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. Not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God in worship, our deep, essential need to be in relationship with God is nurtured. We live in a time when everything hinges on our feelings. That is, that is the culture. 
That is the world, enemies of faith in the church. Think about the last time that you wrestled with a big decision in your life. A house purchase, a new job, whether to register as foster parents. Then do a heart check. Ask yourself one simple question. What matters most in this decision? How you feel about it? Oh, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Um, it. It feels good, so that must be confirmation. Or, Lord God, I'm not sure I want to do this. But does this decision square with your word? Can it glorify you? And if it, if it can, what are you waiting for? Get moving. Act. Obey. Stop treating God like a divine genie concerned about your comfort and start treating Him like the loving Savior who called you from among the peoples to give glory to His name. Think back to last week. Worship is the natural outpouring of God's blessing in being our helper, our keeper, our protector, and our preserver. You are His child. Live and act in the assurance that God-focused, obedient, worshipful living is God-blessed living. Augustine is quoted as saying it in this way, a Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. Naturally, this idea helps us flow into our final theme of today, the purpose of worship. God before me. Look back at verse 20, or excuse me, Psalm 122 again. Verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now, church, hear me when I say that I love you, that my heart is with you and it is for you. Now, by God's grace, when he laid this on my heart, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It took everything within me not to choke on these words. But this is so important. When your attentions, your focus, solely revolve around you, you are determined, absolutely set to find disappointment. You are harming yourself, not helping yourself. Sadly, this is not the message that we hear around us. The message we hear around us is, is very different than that. But the numbers don't lie. I, I did a quick Google search this week and, and looked for self-help books, their market value. And this is what I found. Just some of the markets related to the self-improvement industry. Self-help audiobooks, current market value is $760 million a year. 
self-improvement books, somehow those are different, $800 million a year. Self-improvement apps, $27 million a year. Personal coaching services, a billion dollars in the U.S. alone. Motivational speakers, a billion dollars a year. Then I found this article. According to research, the self-improvement market was worth $9.9 billion in 2016 and was estimated in 2022 to grow to $13.2 billion. Here's a simple question that kind of comes to mind for me. If self-help and self-improvement worked, why wouldn't the market just drop or at the very least flatline? We should hear people shouting from the rooftops, I am so much more satisfied now that I am concerned with myself. I don't know about you, but normally what I hear is, I I got this, but now now I need this. Well, so-and-so released this, but now they have this and I have to go get that. I, I need that too. I need this also. I hear a constant desire for more. Look, do we all need a break now and again? You bet we do. Absolutely. But God is so gracious to us. He commanded rest with the Sabbath. But even that is meant to take our focus from ourselves and give it to God. Jesus, trying to correct the self-help focus of the Pharisees, said this in Mark 2, 27 and 28. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, what does this show us? Worship, losing self in the adoration of God, is the optimal function of our purpose. Think of it this way. Have any of you ever seen what diesel fuel does to an engine? when it's meant to take regular gas. It's quite a sight. Years ago, I worked for a company where I was doing some vehicle maintenance and building maintenance, and the boss there liked to always bring in his little toys for me to work on. So he brings in this off-road go-kart, check the oil, grease the chain, but also fix the braking system. His stuff was usually pretty well abused. So as I did that, a couple of hours later, some creative ingenuity, I've rigged up a brake on this thing and sent out to test test the brakes. But as I did that, I've refueled the go-kart from this red gas can. Sadly, I realized my mistake very quickly as I was out testing out the brakes, the engine started to chug. 
it started to stutter. All the power dropped out of it. And then eventually it ended up starving and dying. What I didn't know was that someone had used that particular gas can to siphon old diesel fuel out of a truck. And in my ignorance, I used that to fuel up this go-kart. Family, when you try to fill your tank, your soul, meant to take the pure, wonderful, heart-reviving worship of the Lord and fill it up with the sediment-ridden, power-robbing, sputtering and blubbering fuel of self-worship, you are on track to not only suffer and struggle, but ultimately to starve and die a spiritual death. Thankfully, there is hope. Worship encourages our hunger to know God more. It throws wide the doors of longing for deeper and more rich relationship. It pulls away the blinders of things hurting us and casts bright and glorious light onto our desperate need for Him. Worship brings about shalom, peace, wrapped up in the total assurance of who God is. Now, I love that word, shalom. It just, it, it sounds peaceful. And it, it kind of makes me think of trying to be mad and saying the word bubbles. Shalom. Try saying it without it pulling at your heart towards peace. This peace this closeness, this encounter with the presence of God is not only for our own sakes, but for the sake of connection with those around us. Look back at our text in Psalm 122. A quick run-through of the passage reveals concern for others in the purpose of worship. Look, look at the various wording throughout. In verse 1, let us go. Our feet, in verse 2, bound firmly together, in verse 3. May, may they be secure, in verse 6, for my brothers and companions' sake, in verse 8. In our daily lives, we get bogged down in the mundane tasks of living. Not news to anyone sitting here. It is so easy to forget in the busy that the life of the believer is encouraged and uplifted by gathering together. Now, confession time. <laughs> now, th this is a reflection of my need for more of God continually. But sometimes, I don't feel like going to life group. 
I know, I know I'm terrible, but at least I'm honest. Now, for, for those of you who don't know, life groups are a smaller, more personal gathering of our church. They do that during the week to be purposeful and getting to know one another and care for each other and dig into God's Word together. That sounds wonderful, but sometimes I just, I don't feel like I want to go. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Sometimes I don't want to go, but I have never regretted going. Quite the opposite. Usually, when I get out of my own way and I stop thinking about me and I just go, I am so blessed. God had a special moment I would have missed if I had just focused on me. Remember, worship is the art of losing self in the adoration of God. In action, I can be going as a place of worship, God in me, to participate in the blessed position of worship, God tells me, so that someone else can experience the purpose of worship. God before me. Obediently I go. Which in turn encourages my heart and opens up within me praise to the God who gives out blessings. I am blessed by the blessing received by others because it reminds me just how worthy of worship my God is. It's not just about trying to get a blessing. It's about rejoicing with one another in God who is the blessing and lavishes blessing on us in Jesus. Hear this from Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Pray with me. Glorious Father, it is so often in this life that we are distracted. Nothing blinds us more than self. Help us, Lord, to remember that worship is laying ourselves aside no matter how we feel 
so that you, O God, receive the glory and the honor due your name as we often give a sacrifice of praise. Lord God, may our hearts rest, find shalom, peace in who you are, God Almighty, who loves us, who seeks our good, who desires to be present with us, who sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, that we may know freedom, rest, peace, from that which wants to rip these things, this peace from us, ourself. Lord God, to your name be the glory. May our worship be true and authentic to you. May your spirit dwell with us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.